Hello and welcome to Locked On Marlins. This is your daily Marlins podcast with me, Peter Pratt. Follow me on Twitter at Miami Marlins underscore UK and we are back with the Tuesday episode and it is, well, it's the second part of our Rivals series. Friendly Rivals, perhaps. I don't know. We're going to wait and see. But we are rounding into the New York Mets. We are going hot with the New York Mets and, well, I put it out there on Twitter who is the Mets Twitter goat? And all fingers, eyes, and tweets were pointing to one man. And so he is kindly accepted to come on. Mark Luino from the Mets Up podcast. Tons of other items, but the, the scroll would be too long. But Mark, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing? Yeah, doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. Uh, super excited to talk about the Mets and also get a, a Marlins fan's perspective too on yeah. some things. Here we go. Here we go. This is it. So uh, looking forward to this one. I think the blueprint for this episode is we're going to look back uh, a year, at least a year, probably most likely in 2021, what was expected of the Mets, what happened, and what were the kind of key storylines that came out. There were a few, and there was definitely some Marlins-Mets intertwining of stories um, at certain points too. Um, and then also, what's happened pre-lockout, and what should we, I guess, expect after the lockout for these 22 Mets? And uh, a lot of people are getting very hot on the Mets for sure, no doubt, but we'll, we'll kind of get there. Before we go into that, I just want to ask you one broad question. Um, what's it like to be a fan of the New York Mets? <laughs> just... Yeah, that's a good question. It is a roller coaster of emotions. I mean, yeah. you have the crazy, like, I feel like our highs are so high, even though we haven't like won a World Series in my lifetime, but the highs that I've experienced have been so amazing and the mm. lows have been just as bad. Like for however many good things we have, so mm. much bad happens too. Um, you're always on your toes. You kind of have to be really well-rounded, I feel like, when you're a Mets fan because you know that both outcomes are extremely possible and you're going to get both of them. It, you can't be a fair-weather Mets fan. It's just not a thing. Like, when you root for the Mets, you are a diehard. You ride with this team no matter what and been doing it for 26 years now, and I'm I'm still here, so we're good. I, clearly, go. something has worked. <laughs> How do you... How does that happen? How do you become a Mets fan? Was it a family thing? Was it geographical something that happened where you just start, you saw a game when actually the Mets are for me, because clearly there's, there's two very good baseball teams, you know, in the city. So how, how do you make that decision? Yeah. Uh, my dad was a Mets fan. So just growing up, you know, that's the team he watched. So therefore I become a Mets fan. He okay. actually gave me the option when I was younger because oh. <laughs> that's the Yankees were in the 2000 world series. And he basically told me like, you got to pick right now, whatever it is, I'll switch with you. It's okay, but let's pick now. And then you can't go back. And I was like, no, I'm staying with the Mets, which might have been a mistake for those early 2000 <laughs> years, but you know what? I'm happy I decided it. You get a lot of life lessons with the Mets. The Yankees, they get everything handed to them. The Mets, we had to work hard for where we're at. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And just more generally, how do you kind of, what's your vibe of this NL East right now too? How do you see that shaping up in terms of like the competitive nature of it? Yeah, I, I think it's a really, really good division. Like I think the clear worst team is going to be the Nationals. Mm. And I actually think that you guys, the Marlins, are like my really, really sneaky pick to make moves this year because I love the moves that you made so far this offseason. Plus the pitching is so good. And it seems like, you know, you guys brought in, was it Kim Ung? I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but she's just so smart and seems to be making all the right decisions and pushing you guys forward in the right way. Um, I, I like you guys for like a very, very competitive third place team that could be like maybe fighting for a wild card spot. Um, just because it has all the makings of those Marlins teams in the past that have been dangerous and made runs where like you have this great young pitching, you have some veterans on the offensive side. If everything comes together, you're scary. I mean, we saw what happened last year against the Mets. You guys played pretty well against us. So um, I expect the Mets at the end when this lockout and everything ends 
to be the best team on paper, mm. but you still have to beat the Braves at the end of the day. Like I'm not counting out the world series champions of last year. I had them as a division winner last year. And I said, in order for the Mets to win the division, they have to beat the Braves. And that's something we struggled with. Mm. Um, and then of course the Phillies too. I, I don't really know where I stand with them because they have the star power, but not the depth. Yeah. Um, the division is going to be really, really fun though. I expect it to be, probably not one of the like better divisions on paper, but I don't expect it to be like a runaway by anybody. I'm with you. It's going to be one of those where you, you're not going to have like two hundred win teams or anything coming out of it and everyone go, wow, this is a juggernaut, the juggernaut teams, but it's going to be tight. It's going to be scrappy. I think you mentioned the four, the four teams, the Nats are clearly in rebuild mode now. So yeah. we'll kind of leave them to it, but they've still got some nice pieces. They acquired from some of them deals that are actually kind of major league ready, ready some of them. So, you know, they'll, be wanted to do well as well. So it's going to be a fun division for sure. Um, I, I I really like what the Mets have done thus far pre-lockout. And I, there's maybe more to come. Who knows um, on, on the Mets front? I mean, who knows what the, if there is going to be a luxury tax anymore or any kind of, yeah. you know, anything. We don't know these, these answers yet. But um, all right, cool. Well, heading into 2021, I think from memory, a lot of uh, projection systems had the Mets winning the division in 2021. And... It started well, and then, well, it started well with a backdrop of COVID all happening at the same time as well, which was kind of, it felt kind of Marlins 2020, actually, similar, where Marlins were, were all down with COVID and started winning games. Um, but heading into the season itself, were you as high on the Mets? Were you as bullish? Did you, did you have them as favorites to win the, the division? Yeah, no, I, I thought that they could win the division. I thought they had a very capable team to do so, but I still put the Braves just because it's like, again, we got to beat them. And that's a team that's always been a trouble for us for the beginning of my life. It's like, unless we beat the Braves, we're not winning this division. Um, and I, the Braves were, you know, a really good team too last year on paper. I know they like lost Ozuna early on, but they had some pretty good pitching acquisitions, like a guy like Charlie Morton into that rotation. You thought Soroka was going to be you know, a little yeah. more healthy too. That lineup is built to be really good. And as we saw at the end of the year, they ended up being the World Series champion. So I was aggressive in that. I thought the Mets could make noise, but I was a little more hesitant in the fact that like, well, let's see first if they're able to come out hot, which go figure they did. And then they just choked it all away. Like they all Mets always do. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the funny thing. Like it's, it's a running joke, it seems, in baseball. Is it a running joke within the Mets fan base, too, where it's like, oh, well, we're the Mets, we're going to Mets it up. Like, does that ring true as well? Yeah, I mean, like, we are <laughs> trying so desperately bad now with Steve Cohen to get rid of, like, that lull Mets or, like, the, you know, we yeah. Mets it up and kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah. it's just, it seems like every year, no matter what, like, I thought when we got Lindor, I was like, this, this is it. Mm. We got our guy. This is going to be the official start of the Steve Cohen era. We're going to be able to push forward, and there's not going to be anything. And then, like, the Jared Porter stuff happened or the fact that, you know, our GM who took over for him got a DUI during the season or that <laughs> McNeil and Lindor fought each other in the dugout. I mean, there was just so much stuff going on throughout the year. Like as much as we wanted to change, the Mets are still the same old team that they always are. It's, it's always, there's just the storylines that come out year after year. Somehow they're, they're storylines that you never expect. No one else has these types of storylines. It's always seemingly the Mets. What was the one in 2020 where someone decided to retire? They just packed their bags and just went off. Who was that? Yeah. 
Cespedes. Uh, Cespedes they thought yeah, that's right. the, the Mets claimed that Cespedes was missing and they didn't know where he was, but he made it very clear, like, oh, I'm I'm done for the season. I'm taking like the COVID uh, you know, absence or whatever. You don't have to yeah. pay me. I'm going home. And the Mets played it off like, oh, we don't know where he is. He disappeared. We couldn't find him. It was like <laughs> there's nothing that can just go smoothly with the Mets. It's never easy. No. No, I, I do remember that story because yeah, they they spun it out like we're worried he may have may may harm himself or something. But it's like you look back, but actually no, he he just packed his bags and said, "Listen, I'm done for the year. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm done with this team." And they just didn't want to spin that as a story. I don't know. All right, then, guys, we are going to be getting into Steve Cohen and his Twitter escapades very very shortly. Before we get there, it is time to tell you about our show sponsors, and it is the first one, US Ad British Twist Built Bar, and it is that time of the year when. Everyone has pretty much given up on all the New Year's resolutions. By the way, it is the 8th of Feb, but I am still not drinking, so I have stuck to mine. But if yours is sticking to eating right, then get yourselves into Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because you actually enjoy eating them. Here you go. Here's the question. Main question in Feb. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out. One of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. Boy, oh boy. They're fluffy. Marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors yummy, cinnamony, churros, chocolate marshmallow, banana cream pie. So good. These are going to be your new favorite. Where can you get them? Get over to built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. All right, then, guys, this show is also brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand that they have in their warehouse? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket, so use them. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto, it's a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years and the prices are reliably low for every customer. Get yourself over to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices and all the parts that your car will ever need. It's rockauto.com. What about Steve Cohen as an owner? What's your take on having an owner on Twitter, engaging with fans? How good is that? I love it. I love it. I think it's really cool. Um, I know there's probably a lot of Mets fans that don't like it and they wish that he would stay a little more quiet. But I think like, especially in the age that we are now um, with like social media and everything, it's a really valuable tool one. um, And I think it just kind of, Brings a little bit more buzz. Not that the Mets need more buzz, but um, <laughs> the fact that like our owner is so outspoken, um, especially when we had a really, really lame owner before in the Wilpons, I think it's a, something that you're going to start to see a little bit more happening in sports. He's kind of almost like the Mark Cuban in a way, um, yeah. where in the NBA he was so outspoken, so loud, and it kind of took everyone back at first. But you see it more and more now. People, I think, are just going to voice their opinions. And a guy like Steve Cohen, it, the black jerseys, that was a big thing. Everyone was screaming for him. He brought them back. Mm. Um, you know, people wanted more TV screens in the ballpark. The Mets are now getting all these huge Samsung TVs everywhere during the season. Like, there's a lot of changes that are being made, and I think the interaction that he's been able to have with the fans is a big reason why. Yeah, it's interesting. It's I, I, I love it too. From the outside looking in, I'm 
particularly not a Mets fan, but um, and I wonder what Derek Jeter would be like perhaps on Twitter. I'm I'm not sure it would be the same vibe to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> to be honest, uh, but nevertheless, I do look and think if I was a Mets fan, I think it's great. I think it's great to hear from an owner directly tweeting. And he gets, the thing I like most is he gets emotional. He's emotive about topics too. He gets pissed off when, what was it, Stephen Matz felt like he did, they did him dirty yeah. and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he's pissed off about it. And I, I love hearing that because clearly it happens. It's just nice to see some emotion from the guys. That's just nice as, as fans because we're emotive. It's just nice to, to know that other people are too. So long yeah. may it continue. I don't know, the grammar, the spell checker, maybe that needs to kind of be <laughs> be cranked up a notch. But I think that's how he lets everyone know that it's him. You know what I mean? Like it's his kind of, you know, you know it's Steve tweeting because there's a few punctuation problems, let's say. But um, nevertheless, you mentioned Lindor. I think that was one of the big storylines in 2021 going into the year. Obviously, traded for him, extended him too. Um, what's your sense in terms of... Uh, the impact he had. And also, would you do the same deal now? Looking back a year on, would you do the same deal for Lindor? Yeah. So, I mean, looking back now, I, I think he made the right decision. I think the Mets are going to end up making the right decision in the long run that I think he will end up being this $300 million player. But obviously financially, if we would have waited and saw the season that he had, there's no way we're paying him $300 million for 10 mm-hmm. seasons after this. So it's like, mm-hmm. are we really going to talk about, you know, saving for what is a billionaire owner fractions of a dollar. Um, it's really not that important and it's not my money. So I don't care. Like the Mets have shown that we have money now. So I really go, you want to spend $30 million a year on a guy who's going to underperform like at times go be my guest. I don't care if we win baseball games um, to say I was disappointed by his play. I think that would be pretty accurate. Cause I was expecting a lot more, but mm. got a glimpse of it towards the end of the season when he looked like he was finally healthy and comfy and he played like the player we expected when we gave him this big contract. So I'm not worried about him. I'm definitely keeping a close eye, but he's going to be our shortstop for the next 10 years, whether like Mets fans like it or not, this is going to be the guy you're going to get used to it. The ups and downs, like he's been one of the best shortstops in baseball. That was the first real, like actual bad season he had. And even then he was still great in the field and he was about league average offensively. So if that's the worst we're going to see, like I'm okay. And again, like the $30 million a year thing, not my money doesn't matter to me. I couldn't care less. Doesn't matter. You got the player. That's the main thing. So, what what went on? So, talk to me about this Jeff. Mc- You've already touched on it as well. This Jeff McNeil situation. I-, I couldn't work out what the hell was going on, to be honest. But they were talking about a raccoon or a squirrel or something running around. What actually went on with this one? Yeah. So what's really weird is I was actually at this game with a Marlins <laughs> fan who I'm good friends with, and yeah. we were sitting out in right field, like uh, it's called the Pepsi porch out there. And I didn't know what was happening until my dad texted me. But what was interesting is that the, you know, half inning before it happened, there was a play up the middle where Lindor and McNeil kind of cut in front of each other. And it looked like McNeil got in the way of Lindor a little bit. So Lindor couldn't end up making the play. And Lindor, you know, he turned to center field and he just started screaming. Like he was really, really mad to the point where I was like, oh my God, like, did anyone else hear that? He just let out like a a, a scream. Like he was letting out all the demons. He was pissed. (laughs) And everyone's like, yeah, that was bizarre. And then I get the text from my dad, like, what's going on? They All the players just rushed into the tunnel. I think there's a fight. And I, you know, you put two and two together and you're like, I think there's just like some weird, bad blood there. I don't actually like have the right answer, but mm. I think like for a guy like McNeil who plays the game, they both play so hard, but McNeil plays the game like so hard and his emotions are on his sleeve. Like he gets out. He throws his helmet and he curses every single time. Doesn't matter if he's having a three for three game or he's over for five. He's going to be pissed no matter what. And then you have Lindor, 
who was struggling. He's the new guy. And he was still very smiley, still very bubbly, still mm-hmm. like excited and energetic. Those guys probably don't mesh well as yeah. like personality. So I could see why there would be a problem. Um, I think the, the report is that they like, you know, choked each other or pushed each other up against the wall. <laughs> Luckily, no, like no fists were thrown, but clearly uh, something's a little, a little tight there. And hopefully it's not going to be a problem this year. Cause I like both these guys and I want them here, but mm. um, it unfortunately seems like if there is someone they're choosing, it's going to be Lindor over McNeil. <laughs> I, I think they've already uh, made that pretty clear, I guess. So uh, yeah. I guess it was a really wild one because they were in, you know, they have to gain press or media, session they were talking about oh we just saw a raccoon or something running up and it was just yeah. this wild story <laughs> it was it was just like so cringy especially because like i i didn't take it personally a lot of mets fans i think took it personally like oh we're not that stupid like yeah of course we're not that stupid we know that's not what happened there wasn't a rat or a raccoon in the tunnel and that wasn't what this big commotion was like we're not idiots but like also it's none of your business really at the end of the day like we yeah. are fans but they don't owe us to tell us what happened there like that's between them and if if it's not a problem anymore to them, it's not a problem to me. And that's how I yeah. kind of went with it. Yeah, seems fair. Um, I guess looking at where the Mets ended, I was actually shocked. You know, this it was funny because I was prepping to, for us to talk. It shocked me where the Mets ended the year. I, I couldn't believe yeah. they were 77 wins. It, it completely blew my mind. What the hell happened with these Mets? They were so, they were riding the crest, the COVID crest. I remember watching a series. I stayed up one night. Um, it went to extras quite early on the year, but it was the the Mets were fully coveted up. They had basically no one in Miami, right? Via. In Miami, yeah. Yeah. Went to extras. I stayed up, and it was it was sunny. It was wait, you know, it was five six a.m. here. It was going on that late, but I could not go to bed. My wife was texting me saying I'm calling a divorce lawyer. Everything was going on. I was like, no, I'm watching this game. The Mets got the win actually on that one. I was absolutely pissed at that. Um, I was like, wow, this team really reminds me of the 2020 Marlins where all these guys just come together and just get, you get on a roll. And then things just fell apart. What the hell happened with this Mets team? They just could never gel as a unit. And I think like the combination of like a guy like Conforto having a down year and a guy like Lindor having a down year and the fact that McCann, like as much as I thought he was going to be better, he was a bit of a black hole behind the plate offensively. He just mm-hmm. really didn't do much for us. Dom Smith had a down year. I mean, we had injuries. Like you said, we had the COVID thing. It was weird. They played probably their best baseball when they had their worst players on the field, like in that yeah. Marlins series. Yeah. They were just That's like when it felt like Luis Rojas, who was the manager at the time, was doing the best job he had done all year was when he actually had to make decisions and make moves. Um, mm-hmm. But it seemed like the Mets just really didn't have a plan when everything was said and done. Um, and it felt like there was a lot of different voices and a lot of different opinions coming in. And it just felt like these guys might've gotten too much information to the point where they didn't know what to do with it mm. or that information was bad. Um, yeah, there was just, it was a bit of a mess. Cause like you said, they were doing so well. And then as soon as really DeGrom got hurt, that's when everything kind of went downhill. And you mm. could see, especially with like the pitching rotation and depth, when you lose the best pitcher in baseball for a team that was kind of overachieving at the time, it's kind of hard to recover. Okay then, guys. Final US ad with the British twist of the day and of the episode. It's Bet Online, and they have you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues its march through the playoffs, right to the big game in one week's time. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL boxing, UFC, along with live 
real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online, where the game starts. It was. What was your take on the way that the whole DeGrom piece was managed? You're a lot closer to the night than I was, but it felt like they were trying to manage him through. He was clearly hurt and they tried to stretch it out and then it ended up with you know, effectively being shut down. What was your take on it? Yeah, um, it was definitely weird. And there's even been some articles that have come out about DeGrom saying like, you know, how he felt about things and that he wasn't excited about certain ways that the Mets were handling him medically. I think at one point they had him do an MRI and he held his arm in a weird position. And he thinks that that's part of the reason that contributed to his injury later in the year was because he was in a position for like 40 minutes to an hour. Um, it's just, again, it's the same old mess stuff that we always talk about. The handling of him, it stunk. And it's like they knew that he wasn't going to be able to pitch, and it felt like they waited to the last possible second to say it. Because like even during the deadline, we got Javi Baez. That was the big trade. Mm. But they didn't announce DeGrom till afterwards. Like me and my friends went to the game on the trade deadline right after getting Javi because we're like, let's go. This is exciting. Like, wow, this is going to be great. And then when we get there, first thing on our phone, Jacob DeGrom out for a significant amount of time, like because of his elbow or what was going on or his shoulder. And it was like, man, you guys knew about this and you held it till after the deadline so that, you know, like no one freaked out about, we need pitching, we need this, we need that. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's just, they. this is the problem with the Mets always. They need to like be on the same page with everything. And it, feel like, it felt like last year that there was that lack of like clear communication. Yeah. Yeah, and it's disappointing as a fan of the game that DeGrom, one of the, the if not the, the best pitcher in baseball, obviously missing significant time. What's the outlook looking like for him for 22? Is it expected kind of full full back and go or still some medical issues there? The idea is he should be fully ready to go. Now, will he be? That's the, mm. that's the question because, again, it is the Mets. We don't know what the truth is behind all these statements, and DeGrom's not going to say anything himself. He's a quiet dude, but... I would think with all this time that he's had off, he should be good to go. Um, I don't think there's any expected delay. Now, will he be able to throw like 180 innings next year? That might be the biggest question mark. He might have to be limited at times, but I think he should be healthy. He he says that he's strong and he feels good, so I don't see why he wouldn't be ready for opening day. I guess not. Does DeGrom hit a home run in 22, even if the DH is around? Do you think he, do you think he does? There's going to be some weird scenario. Because, again, we are the Mets. And Buck Walter, he'll do some crazy stuff. Um, yeah. I think that there's a world where Jacob deGrom, for some reason, gets an at-bat. We're going to have, like, an 18-inning game, and someone's yeah. going to have to come in. He's going to pinch run, but then have to stay in the game and play right field or, or something like that. And, uh, you can see yeah, it, can't you? I can see it. He's He's got such a good swing. I love it. <laughs> exactly. That's a, this is the thing. Most of the pitchers, if the DH comes in, which I think you know, 99% we're expecting it does, um, most of the pitchers happy days yes. we'd have to see that ever again but Jacob DeGrom for sure he's he's always been one of if not the best hitting pitchers as well so uh, it will be sad obviously uh, from a Marlins perspective he always seemed to hit well he was always hitting against the Marlins too especially yeah. at, at Lone Depot so uh, you know good riddance to that uh, we'll you know, prefer <laughs> for Dom Smith to be taking that bats to be honest but that's going to wrap us up today, guys. That is Tuesday episode of Locked on Marlins in the books. Thank you for making Locked on Marlins your first listen of the day. And join us again tomorrow on Wednesday for part two of the conversation with Mark. We are getting into the the controversial moment of 2021. It is the Michael Conforto elbow pad walk-off. Absolute scenes on that one. Let's get the Mets view on that one. Were the Marlins right to be annoyed? Should the Mets have 
of giving the game back to the Marlins. It's all covered tomorrow. We also get into Dom Smith plus the Mets outfield and some other pitching options for them. Join us again tomorrow on Locked On Marlins, Wednesday edition. In the meantime, stay safe and see you tomorrow.